Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. I'm uh, Clay Wright. I'm, I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Pastor Jim Minling. Jim, hey. it's great to have you back. Um, hey. I know I've, I've been hanging out with you the last couple of days, but people listening might not recognize that you actually recently were out of town. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the reason, reason why you can tell is because I have a sunburn. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but... It's so funny. I was in the DR for a week, uh, two weeks ago, and you know it's hot and sunny, and I didn't get any suntan, let alone sunburn. But going to Dallas for a, some meetings with our executive pastor, Mark Geisbauer, uh, we were standing in the parking lot talking to some people, and it was cool, but it was that bright sun, and I got a <laughs> wicked sunburn, I think maybe a combination of wind and sun. I, I don't think we were out there maybe two hours, but I can get burned easy, but that night my face was stinging. <laughs> And then the next day, someone was like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're, you got like a radioactive, you know. <laughs> and so I burn easy. So, uh, yeah, it's funny being a week in DR, nothing, two hours in Dallas and just got smoked. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we were there for three days, Mark and I, and I uh, had a great time. Just a little uh, advertisement. We're doing a leadership uh, conference, leadership summit in August. Mm -hmm. And this was in kind of pre pre preparation for that. It's called Global Leadership Summit. And You'll hear more about that in the summer, but uh, we're really excited about being a host church for that event in the first week of August. Absolutely, yeah, Glo Global Leadership Summit. Yeah, I got to I got to listen into some of the teaching that happened there, uh, and it's it's really great stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is it so? Okay, I've got a funny question. Is it Greg Groeschel or Craig Groeschel? Who's the C? See, so it's Craig. Craig. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. he's, yeah, I mean, he, he was the first speaker and he was fantastic. Yeah. And I know he is sort of the one heading up that Global Leadership Summit stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a real cheerleader and a, a great communicator and, uh, you know, a good speaker. Mm -hmm. His whole premise in that first talk was rather than, he said, stop trying as a leader yeah. and start training. So yeah. rather than trying to talk about the sermon, <laughs> let's, uh, let's pick up some of these pieces from, from this last week. I know we, uh, we missed a week, so we've got, um, we're, we've got plenty to, to chat through about, uh, as, as we're continuing our walk through the text of Luke. So mm -hmm. we're still in Luke two. Um, but you, you covered a lot of verses this week compared to, you know, we were in, what was that verse that we were in for several weeks? Yeah. 240. Uh, but this week we were in 41 through 47 right. and it's the account where, um, Mary and Joseph take Jesus into Jerusalem for the festival and right. Jesus gets, uh, left behind. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Which, which you made a big deal. So I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember if I've heard you tell the story of you hiding in the clothes before. I don't think I have, but I, I might have. I 100% hid in, in those clothes racks <laughs> as a kid. Oh, yeah. I would. Yeah, oh, man. It's funny. I could totally tell stories about that. But I don't know <laughs> if my parents ever like lost me in those clothes racks. But like I, I don't think I ever fell asleep like you did. But anyhow. Uh, so... 
uh, one thing I picked up at, at early on in the sermon and that I wanted to ask you about just as something to look into is you, you talked about how godly parents are helped by a parenting plan. That mm-hmm. was one of your first points. Right. But then as, as you were rolling it out, uh, you may have even used the language as you were preaching that, Hey, I wanted to make sure to include this. So I've changed some of the language. Right. right. Can you unpack that a little bit for sure. us? What, what was so important to make sure to include and what's the new language that you're using there? Yeah. So and get a little backstory. So, you know, th- about a month ago, when I first came up with this idea that um, that Joseph and Mary might have been following a a parenting plan, again, I, I say that in quotes. If you can't see me right now, but <laughs> you know, there, there, there's no Bible verse in the Old Testament that says God has a parenting plan. Uh, it's something that I began to to think about as I watched Joseph and Mary. Um, obeying God and seeing Luke, the writer, kept referring to they obeyed the law. They were fulfilling the requirements of the law, mm-hmm. and it's the law, the law. So as you know, as a preacher, we're, we're trained to notice when a word or a phrase is repeated again and again. Right. And so that was in that per, in that paragraph um, repeated again and again, and that just got me thinking. You know, what else were Joseph and Mary following and in, in try to fulfill the commandments of the law? Were, were there other things that they were doing? And I, I began to see all these things I'd never noticed before that, mm-hmm. that in a sense, Joseph and Mary were following a, a plan that God was following as he parented Israel. And I've never read a book about this. I've never heard anybody else talk about it. And so as I began to piece this together, um, I, I knew kind of intuitively, even though I know the Bible really well and I've been preaching it and studying it my whole life, uh, I, I know I could be I could miss some things if I'm trying to put together a a comprehensive, thorough, um, uh, <laughs> a biblical parenting plan that God Himself was following. You know, I might be missing some things, and so. I just kind of was, you know, putting some things together here and there, and one thing built another. The first time I I did this list, I had five things that I saw. You know, God give them giving them Torah, and that's a good instructions for parenting. And yeah. and then the, the second thing was that God was uh, emphasizing prayer and worship, and that Deuteronomy six passage talks about mm-hmm. that and talks about daily practices. As you get up, you, you you talk about the word. As you, you sit down, as you t- get ready to eat, as you walk along the road. So, these daily kind of practices, and then I saw you know, these customs. We were talking about circumcision. Mm-hmm. So I began to see some of those things, and so I had um, uh, f- again five different things that I was seeing. With within um, a day, I noticed two more, and I'm now I've got seven things that I've seen. And so that's that's what I preached was this seven part parenting plan, and I preached about that for I think three weeks. Well, two weeks ago I preached on grace, and as I'm you know thinking about grace and 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 was actually writing a, a section of the sermon about how some people break up the um, Old Testament and the New Testament. In, in the categories of Old Testament is law, mm-hmm. New Testament is grace. Right. Or you sometimes will hear people talk about how, um, you know, well, the Old Testament is, is, there's no grace in the Old Testament. And that's a very common misunderstanding about the, the New Testament's emphasis on grace. And for sure, there is an elevated emphasis on grace, 
But to say that the Old Testament is absent of grace is a gross misunderstanding of misreading of the Old Testament and a gross misunderstanding of the nature of God and his dealings with humanity. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm preaching this sermon two weeks ago, I'm, I thought, oh my gosh, or as I'm writing this sermon, I left out grace <laughs> as you know a, a constitutive element in yeah. God's quote unquote parenting plan. Absolutely. And felt to myself and thought to myself, not only did I leave it out, that's like the, the first thing mm. in this parenting plan. So, you know, that's the danger of uh, putting together something so fresh, so original, and then preaching it so quickly. You know, um, you know, when I typically when I'm writing a sermon, I'm bringing you know my thirty plus years of biblical interpretation and study and reading, um, and so I feel comfortable that I'm. I'm not introducing something in a text that no one's ever thought before, mm-hmm. but putting together this seven-part parenting plan, and as far as I know, you know, we can do a lot of things on the internet searches. I can't find anything like this. So this is an original, original idea, an original way of summarizing. Way of summarizing. The, yeah. mm-hmm. So I felt a little, t- you know, timid, or maybe that's too strong of a word. A little. Um, uh, Tentative is a better word. Sure, sure. About am I capturing the totality of God's parenting plan? Mm. And sure enough, two weeks later, I come up with this idea of not come up with, but I rec- I see this idea of grace as a foundational element in the home. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, again, yeah. recognizing that is exactly how God dealt with Israel from mm-hmm. beginning to the end of the Old Testament. It's full of grace. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, you know, some people may know that we're putting together a parenting resource um, and a, a parenting plan built off of the way we see God the Father uh, parenting the children of the nation of Israel. The, I don't mean the children of the adults. I mean the people of Israel were called the children of God. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I'm going to write a book on this. I uh, hope to write that sometime this year. And so um, as I'm preaching this sermon, I, I realize I need to include grace in there. So this week is the first week that I introduced the, the new seven-part plan. And uh, for people that are following this kind of thing, I, I actually combined the categories of daily prayer and daily practices. Originally, those were two different things, and, and and while they are similar, there is a clear demarcation in in the Old Testament uh, that that the daily prayers are a part of the daily practices because mm-hmm. there's other things that they're supposed to do on a daily on a daily basis, and then you could also summer, you also could call daily prayers a part of the one of the customs of the, of the nation of Israel. They had a custom. Of praying, so I'm actually exploring expanding the the seven parts to nine parts. Oh wow! Because <laughs> because I, I want to give due um, um, attention to the the very significant role of prayer in the life of Jews, uh, in the life of Jesus. And that the emphasis on prayer in the New Testament is built off of that that daily prayer life. We talked about a month ago about how 
You know, there was the daily office that they prayed three times a day at the least, mm-hmm. a, a good Jew. And so we believe watching the New Testament that we can identify Jesus, you know, practicing that praying three times a day. And so as we're following Jesus as a disciple and as we're teaching our kids, we want to emphasize the role of prayer. And uh, and so I don't want to think of prayer as a subcategory. I want to give it its due weight. And so I thought to myself, am I just trying to keep this down to seven parts because I like the number seven, it's the number of completion, <laughs> you know, it's seven days and it's the number of perfection. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we can actually talk about this together on the on the podcast. Sure. As, you know, it, uh, that the idea that that, that if we're going to uh, separate out what are the components, what are the parts of God's parenting plan? Is prayer deserving of being its own component, mm. or is it a subcategory of these other kinds of daily practices? that uh, are reflected, for instance, in Deuteronomy 6. That, that Deuteronomy 6 um, gives us almost a, a schedule of, you know, <laughs> yeah. of how, you know, throughout the day, I want you to be reminding your, your children of Torah. I want you to remind them of the nature of God. I, I want you to build into your children a God-centered, God-consciousness by building into their daily life you know, the mention of God and the, the God's laws and God's teaching and God's uh, call in our life and God's purpose for us. Hmm. So so then um, I got thinking about uh, yet another thing I had taken out a month or two before, and that was recognizing the uh, power and significance of the community uh, in the nation of Israel. You know, it's partly because of the way that they lived with each other. You know, it was very rare for someone to to leave home. So when Abram left the Ur of the Chaldees to live in the land of Canaan, that was extremely rare. Um, uh, it's 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 hard to find many examples in the Old Testament of someone leaving their homeland, their home city, in order to live separately. So everybody lived together. And so, for instance, in the story of Jesus moving uh, or leaving Nazareth to go to Jerusalem with his parents, it's easy for us to picture almost the whole town of Nazareth traveling in a caravan Mm -hmm. to Jerusalem. And in that caravan are neighbors, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, and, and, and parents and children. So it's like a whole community that are interrelated uh, are traveling on this caravan going to Jerusalem. Right. And, and that gives us an, a little bit of a window into the way Israel lived and camped uh, as they existed in the Old Testament. They lived in community. And since we don't, we, we, um, our, our society is so far removed from the kind of communal living, uh, uh, the <clears throat> the closest two things in our society to that are either dorm life <laughs> in a college <laughs> or uh, a monastic yeah, community yeah. Um, or, or some cults. Some cults sure. live in that kind of com- commune or communal setting. And that's too bad that the word cult would ever be connected with the word of commune or communal. 
because you know even the early church lived in community so to leave out the the role of communal mm. relationships yeah. feels like a glaring yeah and you know uh, omission yeah as i was hearing you think you you speak about that i was thinking about how does this compare to the part of the plan that encourages um you know where where you were talking about the centrality of the tabernacle mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. in the modern day this the you know the how helpful it is in the family to be a part of a worshiping community right engaged in the church and and yet um you know, there's so much more to community than worship services, oh, you know, oh. and so, and that's why, you know, we're, we're, we're busy here at Open Door <laughs> because we recognize there's, there's a lot more to being with one another than just, yeah. um, worshiping the Lord together. And that, you know, super important. Um, you know, we do that every Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it's, yeah, so I like I could see you, com, you know, having the combining those two in a sense where mm-hmm. you're living in a worshiping community. Mm-hmm. But I would hate for people to think, as long as I'm bringing my kids to worship, I'm fulfilling that need that they have for community, mm-hmm. uh, because there's you know there's a depth to the community that, that well, like for instance in dorm life, you know that yeah. speaks to me as a recent sure you know, relatively recent well, college. Well, Clay, grade. I think you know right now the way you enjoy your living as husband and wife. I know you live in a neighborhood mm-hmm. where you have some very, very close friends, yeah. similar age, and I know of at least four families within your kind of a neighborhood, yeah. and I know you guys get together from time to time mm-hmm. a lot more than you would if one of you lived in North Ridgeville and one of you lived in Elyria. Right. So pr- proximity is a, a big part of community. And uh, I know you live close to some of your best friends, and yeah. that's you're you're experiencing community. I would say probably m- you're experiencing more community than and more communal relationships. You know, parenting each each other's kids, you know, taking turns watching kids, things like that. Than probably ninety five percent of our church. Mm. I, I would say most of people in our church, they live in separate neighborhoods and they live in separate cities and. And so we see each other once or twice during the week. But I mean, how many times do you see your friends at in the neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, well, no. I bet you do it five or six times a week. Yeah, and that's one of the, especially as the weather gets warmer. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite parts is yeah. the serendipitous moments. The hey, we were just passing by actually on Sunday this past Sunday uh, when I got home. Um, my friends' stroller was out in front, and they were all inside hanging out with Joy, mm-hmm. and I was. Uh, you know, I was coming home later because I was finishing up some things at the church. But yeah, you're absolutely right, and and that's hard. Uh, and you know, I mean, I don't know how long we're going to be blessed to live in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And we love our neighbors as well, mm-hmm. and we have relationships with them that we're building. But you know, a lot of our neighbors don't know Jesus, yeah. uh, and so how do you, man? It makes me want to ask the questions. So for those people who are living in a neighborhood where they don't know their neighbors or where they're not living near uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. what, you know, how, how do they find that kind of community? Well, and they don't, and that's a glaring absence in our society today. Mm. You know, that famous phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. You know, there's, there's, why it has been co-opted for other things. There's so much truth to that. And yeah. there are other cultures, even today, who are practicing that, 
sometimes we look down our nose at those cultures and we call them you know third world sure. or undeveloped countries well they may be undeveloped in terms of the industrial revolution or the technological revolution but they are more developed relationally than yeah, us yeah. because they grow up in tribes and um families where they're so interconnected and that is a huge need. Mm. God wired us to be relational. So I see it in the Old Testament. I see it in the, the early church. They, they gathered in the temple courts mm. every day. Yeah. Every day? Yeah. There's a communal aspect there that, that's very significant. There's, and, yeah. It's, so there's two threads here that I'm thinking that I think would be fun to pull. The first is... Because I, I also sometimes hear you saying you know, there's a, there's this emphasis on our responsibility as parents mm -hmm. to and and maybe that we've shirked some of that responsibility as parents and so we need to recapture mm -hmm. uh, our sense of responsibility and yet um, you know so how do, how does that coincide with the reality that it does take a community you know mm -hmm. for instance my my mom watches Arden like several days out of the week so that Joy can yeah. you know, do her responsibilities. Yeah. But I've thought to myself before, you know, my mom never had that because mm -hmm. her parents lived out of town mm -hmm. and she was a stay, totally stay-at-home mom and was with us all the time. And uh, is that, you know, are we, um, you know relying too heavily on you know like where's that balance between living in the village versus shirking yeah. your responsibility yeah i think it's a great question that can only be asked by each individual family yeah um uh, you know andrew and i when we planted churches in kansas we were 13 hours away from the closest family members so mm -hmm. when our kids were young and and the most you know the most difficult you might say sure we had no family no help um, and so we began to lean on some people in the church, but even so, it was difficult. And I think our kids lost out. Meanwhile, my sister, uh, youngest sister especially, lived and still does and raised her family 10 minutes from my parents' house. And I'd hear stories that always had, ate, Sunday ate Sunday dinner together. They were always together on Friday nights. They were you know, always mm -hmm. at each other's house. And I, I envied that. My, my parents were awesome. And they're fantastic grandparents. And yet my children never got to experience that. Mm. So you know, I would be celebrating that your mom and dad get to spend time with Arden and, and Nathaniel. Yeah. And, um, and, but I also know there are, there are parents who are now grandparents who are virtually raising their children's children. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, I hear stories sometimes. I'm like, you know, who's, who's raising who? You know, they're, <laughs> they're never at their parents' house. They're always at their grandparents' house. And mm. so, you know, I think that the ideal is the, is the mixing. And yeah. so uh, it sounds to me like Arden is in a beautiful environment getting to see her, her grandmother and grandfather several times a week that's yeah fantastic i yeah i i and it's some, a break for you guys so it is it is great yeah and it's just it's a it's a tension that we feel right because we're you know we, we want to be with her as much as we can mm -hmm. um but then so the other thread that i think is interesting uh, might have just escaped me actually. <laughs> oh, oh, here, here it is. So I was recently looking at something called the reveal study. 
okay. from Willow Creek. Have you ever interacted with that at all? I have. Okay, I heard of it on a podcast, so this is poetic for me. That's, but, kind, um, of, that's kind of old. It is old. It's yeah. from like the before 2010, like yeah. 08, maybe 07. Okay. And um, the the idea was they were they were it was out of Willow Creek, but they were doing tests, you know, studies at multiple churches is what ended up happening. And they were looking into what is it that happens at a church or in someone's life that really results in them becoming more like Jesus to use our language or in their language, being defined as a person who loves God and loves others. I think they also use Christ centered language. Sure. In that study. Yeah. And, And what they found was interesting because Willow Creek is a, you know, um, stereotypically at that point over-programmed, you know, big mm-hmm. programs, all sorts of stuff. And the study came back from the third party and it was like none of that stuff. But one of the things, well, there were four things that did make a big difference. One of them was having an, an adult in their life who was, who had made, been a, played a mentor role. Mm-hmm. And they said that usually that's not a parent, but a peer of their parents, mm-hmm. like a coach mm-hmm. or a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm hearing you talk about the role of community, yep. that's right. one of the best things maybe that I can do for Arden is to continue investing in those relationships I have with my peers mm-hmm. and giving them opportunities yes. to speak in her life. Absolutely. That, maybe that's not me shirking my responsibility, but me, you know, living into it and recognizing Absolutely. there Absolutely. are things that she needs to hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, things being reinforced. As mm-hmm. I said in the sermon, you know, it, it used to irk me when my kids would say something that, that <laughs> oh, I learned this that. from so-and-so, but I'm like, I taught you that. No, yeah. I didn't ever heard that from you, Dad. I said it all the time. Yeah. But that's just the nature of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's the nature of, of child development. I mean, the kids get to a stage where they don't want to hear anything mom and dad have to say. Yeah. And how amazing is it to know that I could send my kid over to Uncle Clay's house and I know Uncle Clay and I know 100% he's going to be reinforcing the same values Mm -hmm. that I do and maybe repeating some of the same things that I think are important and that's being reinforced or taught. Oh my goodness, that's that's an incredible resource. And I, that's that's to the power of this communal relationship. So you're arguing that I need to put this in, aren't you? I might be. I might be. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. Well, I mean, and yeah. I mean, there's when you think about what God and what what Christ had in mind with the church. Yeah. I think that that's so um, intimately bound up in it. Oh. Uh, Brothers and sisters. That's the language of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. How about body? Mm-hmm. I mean. That, can, you, can you imagine coming to your first understanding of the church is, is in America, and we're trying to help you understand that it's the body of Christ. See, I don't think we grasp the, the power and the significance of body because we are so mm. disconnected. Yeah. But when you know I'm doing life with my brothers and sisters, uh, there's also a lot more vulnerability there. There's a lot more authenticity because you saw me early this morning when I was cranky or you heard me come in last night uh, when I was cranky or something and and I can't hide and just do a Sunday face we're living together and so you know that that tends to get rid of the hypocrisy and the superficiality that happens in church relationships where you only see each other once a week or once once or twice a month Mm. you know just the whole the whole beauty of family that these are the people that know me the best. Yeah. And when we expand that to the family of God 
and some of those family live in the tent next door or you know in this extension of this tent now i'm using old testament language mm-hmm. there's no re- there's no hiding from who i am and right. so you get a much more shoe leather a much more down to earth version of christianity versus the sanitized version that that passes so often for christianity today in north america yeah we're and, actually doing our kids a disservice because you know they're not really mm-hmm. seeing the the nitty gritty stuff of faith. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's there's a kind of a actually almost an up to date uh, as I'm writing this, you know, sure. uh, this parenting plan uh, and putting together this parental resource for our church and others. Uh, this is real time. I mean, I'm, I was in a meeting today with two other people where I was bouncing some of these ideas off of them, and then, and you know, asking them, "Do you think this is constitutive enough that I need to include it?" And you know, I think it is, but I wanted to get some feedback from other people. And now, talking to you about it, I'm starting to hear the same thing. So th- this is <laughs> kind of fun with our podcast. We've never done this before, where yeah. you know, I'm kind of bringing we're bringing people into sure. such fresh thinking. This is going to be in a book. And we're getting, you know, kind of the preview of it. And people can say, I helped write that book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gave input to that. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for our for our church for that because, man. Well, I would say the, the most common comment I have heard of, through the parenting series is this. I wish I knew these things when I was a parent. Mm. I wish I had this teaching when I was a parent. Yeah. I felt the same thing as I'm writing the sermons. I've thought, man, I wish I had thought of this. I wish I had noticed this 20 years ago, mm. you know, 30 years ago as a young parent. Um, I wish I had come in, you know, into an awareness of this and thought of this. And so, well, we have a lot of young parents. You're a young parent. There's, <laughs> you guys are getting an advantage in that you can begin thinking about some of these things and asking yourself how much of this do I want to incorporate in my parenting? And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and and it's uh, it, it's I, I think it's encouraging to recognize that um, there it, you know it is possible to to go to the scriptures and to get really practical parenting mm. advice because yeah. you know I believe that, but seeing it is is helping me to feel comfortable with. Yeah. Just some some of the ways that we're trying to love Arden well, yeah. uh, Arden being my my daughter and Nathaniel my son. Although he's he's only four months, he's <laughs> he's still. Uh... Oh, he's picking up all kinds of stuff from you guys. <laughs> That's wow. Uh, I mean, the, the the development, the brain development, mm-hmm. and the community relationship development is happening in a four month old is absolutely astounding. Yeah, the brain science on that, which oh, we my. we can't get into right now, but is they, they yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, so then, to, but to pick up another piece, you know, all of this preparation and all of this advantage and all of this, um, you know, receiving from the text, notwithstanding one of the points, another point you made that, that I think it's good to pick up is this idea that, um, even godly parents are not immune from the messiness oh, of community oh, or man. to use your language, we're not immune from family problems. Yeah. Um, can you can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, I think I may have said this in one of the service sermons. I don't know if I said it in both, but one of the things I love about the Bible is how real it is. Mm. It doesn't paint the heroes and the heroines uh, in in a uh, a artificial light, and mm-hmm. so we see 
the sins, we see the mistakes, we see the reality, the, the, the roughness of some of the characters of the Bible. And so with Joseph and Mary, we're not seeing sin, and we're not even really seeing, you know, kind of the rough character, but we are seeing, you know, especially this next week when we see Mary, you know, almost spitting angry, <laughs> why have you done this to us, you know? Yeah. And, you know, didn't you know we were anxiously, no, no way you can read that story and imagine Mary saying very calmly, you know, why have you done this to us? And don't you realize we've been looking anxiously for you? No, she's, she's upset. She's scared. Mm-hmm. She's afraid. And, and uh, I love how the Bible helps us see that in yeah. so many stories in the Bible. And you know, of all families, the, the, I think the Catholic Church calls them the holy family. You know? <laughs> uh, of all families, I think we might be inclined to think, well, that family was special, especially if you subscribe to the doctrine of Immaculate Conception. You think mm-hmm. Mary is you know, almost equal to God. You know, which we don't believe that, but there are people that do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is this, you know, very unbiblical, I think, and artificial, and therefore irrelevant to me view of family life. And so I thought it was kind of cool that Luke includes this story to see a little bit of the, you know, roughness of of this family and. Um, and I, I actually believe that there are, and I, I know this has been reinforced in recent conversations, that there's a large number of moms and dads who secretly feel that if I was more godly, mm. if I did a better job, my kid wouldn't be a wreck now, or we wouldn't be here in the police station right now, we wouldn't be in the principal's office. You know, you wouldn't be such a bad kid, which you should never, ever say to a child. Mm-hmm. But that's the way some p- kids, some parents think about their kids. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this this coming Sunday, that too many people see their children as um, a way for them to project to the world what they're like. So I want my kids to have good grades because it makes me look good. Mm. I want my kids to do well in sports because it makes me look good. Mm. And not only is that bad parenting, it's bad psychology. (laughs) And um, it's dangerous to your own identity to try to find your identity in your kids. Mm -hmm. And it's damaging to the child. So can we just say hey, every family is going to have problems. Yeah. And your Christ-likeness, your godliness, your spiritual maturity does not somehow qualify you now that, to the point where I won't have family problems. And if I could just get more godly, I wouldn't have family problems. And right. I, I hope that's freeing to people. Mm-hmm. And take some of that self-imposed pressure that we put upon ourselves. Because if we were more biblically literate, we would be able to say, hey, there's so many stories in the Bible where these guys were, I mean, they were bad characters. They were liars. Yeah. They were deceivers. They, you know, they 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 were immoral, sexually immoral. Mm-hmm. They 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 lied, and so it's like, whoa, okay. I'm not not that I want to say that it gives me an excuse to live that way, but God's blessing on them and their family was not uh, based upon their performance. Right. It was based upon God's grace, mm-hmm. and so my family problems are not God punishing me. It's it's fa- it's life. You know, mm-hmm. it's what it's it's a combination of the world we live in. It's a combination of my fallenness as a parent. It's a combination of my children's own will 
and you know just the way life happens yeah and uh you, know, you can mm. you can see remember that story in john 9 where jesus disciples came up to him and said why is this person blind because yeah. of his mm -hmm. own sin or because of the sin of his parents they're echoing or prefiguring that idea that you know my kids have problems my family has problems because i've made some mistakes or i've sinned or i wasn't godly enough sure sure so, yeah and this is this is a point i think as well that it's really helpful because it's absolutely true in parenting, but even to zoom out a little bit to discipling, I know it can be very discouraging um, to, or, or it's, it's a, it's a big temptation at times to put my sense of self in my success as a discipler. Right. You know what I mean? It, like sure. in the same, sure. almost in, in a, in a similar way where, you know, if things aren't going well or if, if you know if if a person um you know decides to walk away or or something something like that happens um there can be the sense of like man what did i do wrong yeah. uh and in you know since i'm such a young parent i don't know that i i've gotten to that place yet with my own children but i've definitely been there with people I've tried to love and minister to. Mm -hmm. um, That's why I love the phrase, it's twice in the Bible, maybe more, as far as it depends on you. Mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 that phrase it recognizes that, that you have responsibility, you have control over your own things you say and do, and you can influence the relationship, but you can't make your partner, you can't make your child, you can't make the person you're discipling do anything. Right. So you, you be responsible of your stuff as far as it depends upon you, and then trust God with the rest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Well, we've got one last thing to pick up just just in, in a couple minutes here. Okay. Um, and that's this idea. I mean, really, we could talk about all of all of that second point of your sermon, which is that uh, things that growing disciples need or things mm -hmm. that are true about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one idea I wanted to pick up was uh, just that uh, that notion of challenging environments. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can just share quickly, what have you found to be some of the most helpful challenging environments for children or and or disciples of Jesus? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it depends upon the the, the disciple themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, some uh, some disciples and some people's version of discipleship is all head knowledge. Yeah. So I'm just learning data. I'm learning information. And is learning information a part of discipleship? Absolutely. You need to. You know, the Bible is a bunch of information that we want to learn. But it's obviously a lot more than information. It's revelation of God's character. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes the, the challenging environment that a person needs is just life. Right. And so I sometimes will say God uses life to make us more like Christ. And it, 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 it doesn't sound like it's a significant statement, but it, it is. We recognize that God uses Scripture. We recognize that God uses the Holy Spirit. We recognize that God uses suffering. We recognize that God uses you know relationships, mm. but sometimes just the, the regular difficulty of life is a challenging enough environment to discipleship mm -hmm. that whether it's suffering or whether it's difficulty at my job, whether it's frustration with my neighbor or frustration with my family member, right. that that 
that challenging environment is actually necessary. Mm -hmm. It's not getting in the way of your attempt to grow to become more like Christ. It's a part and parcel of God's discipleship plan. And so that challenging environment is a family, it's a neighbor, it's a work relationship, it's could be a physical infirmity, a physical limitation on your part. Yeah. Um, and then there's other people um, who uh, their discipleship is uh, all about, I go to church, I read the Bible, isn't that good enough? And so I would say to that person, you know, what you may need is that challenging environment of, of, of study, of you know, reading some books or maybe attending a class where you're, you're challenging your thinking ability. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one person needs to be challenged to go out and do, another person needs to be challenged to think more deeply. Um, and part of us as parents or as disciplers is to know the people we're discipling and parenting Right, well enough right. to go, you know what? You don't need another book. You don't need another Bible study. <laughs> yeah. It sounds terrible to say. You don't need to go to another class. What you need is to go out and live out your faith. Or mm -hmm. you need to get in relationships. Whereas another person, we might flip it all the way around and go, man, you don't need to be in another uh, community group. You need, to, you need to get your butt in some study. You need to learn some theology or you need to learn <laughs> the Bible. You yeah. know? And so... Um, I, I think God has a way of bringing us into challenging environments, but I also think that good disciplers and good parents l should look for a the next challenging environment for their kids. Right. And then now, right from this text, the application of Jesus is that Jesus seemed to recognize, I love my mom and dad, but there's there's some people I need to learn from, I need mm -hmm. to spar with yeah. in the temple. And he went there because he recognized the need for the challenging environment in his life. And ideally, I would love it if disciples would kind of do some self-reflection and think, okay, what do I need to take me to the next level? And we, we talk here at Open Door about what's your next step. This is, this mm. is actually the same conversation. Yeah. What's your next step could be, what's the next challenging environment I need to grow? Absolutely. And I, I'd love for every parent, every kid, every disciple, every discipler to be constantly thinking, what's my next step? What's mm -hmm. my next step? Because it's otherwise we can get stagnant. We can get right. static. Yeah, absolutely. Another way of something, same idea, but um, another kind of language that people will use is they'll say they'll use the language of comfort. Mm. It's like, do you want your discipleship <clears throat> to be comfortable? That's good. Or are you willing to move into a challenge? <laughs> right. Uh, that has been something that God has been working with me on lately. Uh, and the question that has come back over the last maybe a year at this point is just every once in a while, am I living in such a way where I, um, I sense my need for God mm -hmm. because I'm entering into a challenging situation mm -hmm. or a challenging. And, and sometimes, like you said, those challenges come and find me, it seems like, <laughs> but you know, there's a, there's a temptation to just, um, Mail it in. Yeah. <laughs> Get I, comfortable. It's funny. This this we can almost use this as a close. That kind of brings us full circle mm. because it reminds me of something that God said to Moses and through Moses to the people in Deuteronomy, when He says, "When you get into the, the land of Canaan and you build homes and you plant fields and you begin to harvest, you're going to get comfortable mm. and you're going to forget." 
how I brought you out of Egypt. You're going to forget the miracles I did. And you're, you're going to get so comfortable in the land that you're going to forget what it was like to depend upon God. Mm. And so he, that's why he built some of these practices. So full circle now, back to the oh, parenting yeah. plan. <laughs> God had the wisdom to build in mm. structures and routines. And if I can say this word, rituals, which some people hate that word. I think I have hated it in the past. But, you know, there are good rituals. Brushing your teeth in the morning, that's a good ritual, you mm-hmm. know. Um, tying your shoes. We all do rituals that we don't despise. So we shouldn't disdain that word ritual. But God builds into rhythms in our day, routines, rituals, to help remind us of the God that provided, the God that rescued us. Yeah. And to, to tell the story to our kids. So we don't do what you just talked about, get comfortable and forget, because hmm. uh, that is the, the enemy of a vibrant relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. Let's, let's end on that note and yeah. just the encouragement of as, you're, as we're continuing to, to think about and, and Jim, as you're continuing to write on this parenting plan, um, whether you're a parent or a disciple or continue to ask that question. What's, is, is there a piece of this plan that you can step into? Is mm-hmm. there, a, what is, what does that next step look like for you? Yeah, uh, that's good. And uh, we'll pick it back up with you next week. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast at opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.